And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first one. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath. You shall not bow down to them to, or serve them, for I am the Lord God. Wait, for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. That all was the second commandment. And now we're on to the third commandment, which is our topic for tonight. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So Josh is... Uh, going to pray for us and then we can go ahead and get started all right let's pray father thank you for your word help us to hear it and to make use of it in our lives and in your world that you've made such that the best way for us to live is to hear and obey your word. Help us to see how Christ has brought his grace to bear on all uh, who would come to him who have broken this command. Those who you would not hold guiltless. And you would take that guilt and put it on him in our place. Thank you for that. Please help us. Amen. All right. Thanks for the introduction there, Gustin. All right. So this commandment is probably the most overlooked in many ways in our day in the church uh, or within Christianity at large, simply because it seems that many think that the way that you keep this commandment is by simply abstaining from saying a certain word or phrase that I obviously will not repeat here. Um, you all likely know what I'm talking about. If you grew up in Christian homes or relatively religious homes, you may have been scolded once or twice as I was as a kid for saying this particular phrase um and maybe the reasoning given to you was that that's that that's breaking third commandment and don't hear me saying that it's not because it is uh doing that is a way to break the third commandment but if that's all you think it is then you may think ah, i'm doing a pretty good job at keeping it because i never say that but that isn't all that it is by any stretch of the imagination and it's certainly not what it purely meant in its original context. And so we're going to first talk about what is the name of God? What does it entail? And then what is this command saying in regards to God? So if you've been with us uh, previously, then uh, you would know that as I've said in weeks past, 
if you have a physical Bible in front of you, or if you're using a digital Bible, uh, the Discord one doesn't reflect this. Unfortunately, the Bible bot doesn't do this, uh, but other digital Bibles do. When you see of the Lord in this passage, not take the name of the Lord, that Lord there, you might notice that the letters look a little strange. Maybe they um, are a little bit lighter font, uh, but pri primarily the uh, R and the D are the ones that you would primarily notice are capital letters, but the font is smaller size. That's what we call in the business uh, small caps or small capitals. And it's a way for the trans translators to signify to the reader that the underlying Hebrew here is the divine name Yahweh. Or as you may often see it displayed, uh, YHWH. That is the covenant name of God. Uh, the most literal sense of it is I am or I be, or is the verb to be. This is God's name that he reveals himself by to Moses in the burning bush. He says, go and tell the people that, uh, that your God, Yahweh, I am, has come to you. And that name carries a lot of weight in describing who God is, but this is the covenant name that God gives to his people and this is the primary name by which we know him and uh, in the Old Testament. And this name emphasizes the, the character and nature of God, his supremacy over his creation, his eternal power and divine nature, uh, that he is uh, the supreme uncreated creator of all things. This emphasizes those aspects of who he is. So that is the name, the specific name here is Yahweh. The name of Yahweh, your God in vain. Now, you can make reference to Yahweh by other words, like God, for example, is the most common term that we use to refer to him by. Usually don't, there's some people who do walk around saying Yahweh all the time. Um, or they might use the bad English butchered transliteration of Jehovah. You may have seen that if you read a King James Bible, and you'll see Jehovah there in many places. Uh, that's not a great, you know, uh, rendition of that, but the reference of the word is the important thing. You're referring to the God of the Bible when you say that name or just God or other names as typically who you're referring to. And so that expands the, 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 the target of this is not purely the name Yahweh, but rather referring to God by any name and doing so in a way that is reverential, respectful, and truthful is the heart of this commandment. Which means that anything that you say in reference to God that violates the heart of the commandment, which is to refer to him in a reverential, respectful, and truthful fashion, would be breaking this command. 
So it, it goes a lot deeper than simply uh, saying a certain colloquial phrase in English that includes God and in other words. It's far more than that. It's not less than that, but it's a lot more than that. And so if you think, yeah, so far I'm doing pretty good. I've got the right God. I, I'm keeping track of how well I'm doing these commandments. I'm doing pretty well. I got the right God. I don't worship idols. We've already established that that's not the case. Uh, by the way, we've defined those things, however, uh, that all of us struggle and fight against idolatry of the heart uh, because our hearts are wicked and tend toward serving and worshiping things other than God. Um, and that Christ has to save us from this idolatry. Uh, that is what's behind the first two commandments. And so this third commandment is actually going after the same root problem. Because we can have the right God in theory, but not in practice. And what do I mean by that? Is that you may honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from him. As uh, the prophets say, and then Jesus takes up and quotes in the New Testament. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, is what God says there. That is a violation of this commandment. You can commit a kind of idolatry, a kind of infidelity to God by calling yourself a Christian, taking on the name of Christ, and only that, being a Christian in name only, a nominal Christian, that the beliefs that you espouse, the God you say you worship, you actually don't. You do not have love for God, you do not worship God, and you rebel against his commands at every point that you possibly can during your life. You don't fight your sin, you have no desire to fight your sin. That is a violation of the third commandment. If you then, if that's the way you live and you call yourself a Christian still, that is a violation of this command. But it goes even deeper than that. So the following I'm taking from a Puritan, his name is Thomas Watson. Uh, I recommend the reading of the Puritans. I don't agree with every single word they say. It's not a wholesale recommendation of everything they've ever written. The Puritans are different from each other, though they all have the, their Puritanism in common. Uh, but they were masterful theologians, masterful uh, handlers of God's word. And uh, this particular one, Thomas Watson, has been very beneficial to me in other areas of my life. And uh, in this uh, specific study on the Ten Commandments, he has a pretty long treatise on them. On the Third Commandment specifically, he gives a couple of ways in which we could break this commandment. And I'm going to give you these so that you can understand that this is the third commandment for a reason. This is not a throwaway command. This is not one that's easy to keep by any means. Uh, as long as we live in uh, a fallen world and fight a sinful nature that continues to dwell with us, even after we've become Christians, then the only way to keep this command faithfully is not merely to say the right things or to not say the wrong things, but rather to have your heart changed. Your very nature has to be changed from one that 
does not seek to honor and love God with your thoughts and words and deeds to one that does. The only way out is through what the Bible calls uh, a new birth, a regenerative act by the Spirit of God that takes your fallen sinful nature and turns it away from loving your sin to loving God and seeking to live a life that honors him. And that only comes through faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is the thing, the necessary component to even beginning to attempt to tackle obedience to these commands. It's to have faith in, love for the Lord Jesus Christ sets you up to be able to look at this command and rejoice at it and not feel it as a burden, but rather, how can I honor my Savior with my speech and my thoughts and my life? So let me preface all of this with that, that if you feel burdened by everything that I'm about to tell you, uh, repent and turn to take your sin to Christ. You, you might feel rightly burdened. <laughs> you might have real sins that you need to repent of. And what repentance looks like for the Christian is, is to, to turn away from your sin, to, to take your sin to, to, to the cross of Christ, where they can be forgiven in actuality, that the God really forgives and wipes away the sin. He remembers it no more. He separates it from you as far as the east is from the west, which is an infinite distance for those who struggle with uh, math. that Christ really can forgive and can give you the grace you need to honor and love him such that you will desire to obey this command and it will be a joy and not a burden to you. All right, so here's what Thomas Watson says. Firstly, we take God's name in vain when we speak slightly and irreverently of his name. And what he means by slightly is hastily. So what he means by this is uh, that there is reverence required that is due, as he says, to the infinite majesty of heaven. That uh, we use honorable titles for talking about temporal men. Uh, we, we, we give them um, reverential titles based on their status and office. So why would we not speak in such a way of our God. Let me give you an example. I think that calling God daddy is breaking the third commandment. I'm just going to say it. I think that's what I think that is. Um, God as your father is not the same as your dad as your daddy. Because God is also your creator, Lord, master, king of the universe. Your dad is not. Your dad can be your daddy. God is not now his love, tenderness, and compassion toward you. It's infinitely greater than any that your earthly father could ever show to you. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. However, we should still approach this God with a due reverence uh, and, and, and not speak as Watson says here. So slightly, so quickly and using titles of him that culturally speaking do not carry the weight that is due to the God that is the great I am creator of the universe. 
So there you go. Secondly, we take God's name in vain when we profess God's name, but do not live, as he says, answerably to it. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, he quotes Titus 1.16, and his quotation says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. And this really is uh, the height, I think, of breaking this command. This is the, I think, heart behind the command in many ways, is that if you claim the name of Christ, but reject him with your life, if you do not have a real, genuine affection for Christ, a love for Christ, a desire to obey him. Now, am I saying that you need to sustain a strong, passionate desire for Christ at all times, every day of the week? No, because that's not realistic in terms of the reality of your sinful nature that remains with you. However, if it is absent from you in its entirety, but you pay lip service to God thinking that it will get you to heaven, uh, but do not understand the gospel and how it should radically change your life, the good news that Christ has died for you in order to make you a new creation that will live for him. And that those things go in that order, as we talked about in the first session on Ten Commandments, that there's an order to how things work. God saves a people who do not ask for it and do not desire him and do not want him. He saves them and changes them and then puts them to work in his world. And they love it. They think it's great because they've been brought into a peaceful and right relationship with their creator. It has to go in that order. And then if, if you reverse the order, if you think that you can pay lip service to God and that he's going to be satisfied with that, you're wrong. And the solution is to repent and believe the true genuine gospel that God can change your heart through the grace of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we take God's name in vain when we use God's name in idle discourse. What does he mean by that? Uh, he, 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 uses, he gives examples. He says, to bring his name in at every turn when we are not thinking of him, to say, oh God or oh Jesus, is to take God's name in vain. So this is kind of uh, even what is often acceptable uh, among uh, even Christians, to, to bring God's name into utterance without any meaning behind it, without actually making reference to the God behind the name is to take his name in vain. Uh, fourthly, he says, we take God's name in vain when we worship him with our lips, but not with our hearts. That's the text I was quoting earlier. He's making reference to it there. Um, Matthew 15, 8, 9, uh, he quotes, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. And he gives a couple, uh, two different categories of people. Hypocrites and the superstitious. This is hypocrites are those who take God's name in vain in such that their religion is a lie. They seem to honor God, but they do not love him. Their hearts go after their lusts. They set their eyes on their iniquity. Their eyes are lifted up to heaven, but their hearts are rooted in the earth. His description. And then the superstitious says they bring God in to a few ceremonies, which he never appointed, bow at Christ's name and cringe to the altar, but hate and persecute God's image. So he's 
specifically, he's a Puritan living in a particular time period. He's referring to the Roman Catholic persecution of the Puritans, which occurred during his time, uh, where they were burning his fellows at the stake and executing them publicly um, for preaching the word of God at that point in time in England. Fifthly, we take God's name in vain when we pray to him, but do not believe in him. Here's his example. I may pray, says one, but I shall be never the better. That that you 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 pray as a kind of loathsome act of religious repetition because you think that you ought to, but you don't believe that God hears or can possibly answer. Uh, he says that is a way to take God's name in vain. He says, I question whether God ever hears or answers such prayers. It is to dishonor God and take his name in vain. It makes him either an idol, which has ears and hears not, or a liar who promises mercy to the penitent, but will not make good his word. And so he's saying is that if you pray in that way, if you pray such that you don't actually believe when you pray, you kind of qualify your prayers with, you know, if you hear me, I don't really know anymore. I'm not sure. Maybe you can do this. I have no idea. Then you're praying to either the wrong God, because God certainly does hear and can act as he pleases. Or uh, you're saying that the God that is has lied. And even though he has said he hears and can act, isn't doing so. Both of these would be to dishonor God uh, and his name. Here's an important one here. We take God's name in vain when in any way we profane and abuse his word. So you may notice that uh, Gustin before Thursdays will send a message to everyone saying, here's the text I'm going to preach from. And if you want to hold me accountable to my teaching, read it beforehand. In doing that, he is obeying the third commandment. He is telling other people to, to, to check his work here. And he is seeking to honor God's word and the way that he handles it. There are many out there who profane and abuse God's word, who either trample on it by disbelieving it. So they, they don't believe that the Bible is true and what it speaks of, or who uh, joke with the Bible and its truth claims. Uh, there was a conversation recently I saw in Christian memes where Justin explained that uh, he, he there's certain memes that he doesn't allow because he thinks that it's uh, basically a violation of this commandment where he thinks joking about the death, burial, and resurrection is not okay because it makes light of something that is weighty. So he's exactly spot on here. Thomas Watson agrees with him on that thinking, and so do I. Um, and so you may be familiar with certain prosperity preachers out there who swindle people using God's word, where they trick them into thinking that God in his word teaches them that God just wants them to be healthy, wealthy, and happy their entire lives. Well, that's a lie, and it's an abuse of God's word, and it breaks the third commandment. Eighth, we take God's name in vain. Uh, I skipped one here because it's kind of culturally relevant to 
Thomas Watson not relevant to us as much. Uh, we take God's name in vain when we prefix God's name to any wicked action. So his example is that if, if you say that you're doing something because uh, God has told you to, but it is actually a sinful thing that God in his word has made clear is sinful, uh, then that is taking God's name in vain. That's a pretty obvious one, but it's something that people do. Uh, ninth, we take God's name in vain when we use our tongues in any way to the dishonor of God's name. And and here he says that uh, if you say you belong to Christ, but with your speech, uh, you bring dishonor to God because your speech is inconsistent with the people, the way that the, the kind of life a Christian ought to be living, the kind of speech a Christian ought to have. That this actually breaks the third commandment because it brings dishonor to God. Uh, because people will associate now the people of God with that kind of speech rather than how they ought to associate it, uh, whether that's other Christians or the watching world, that's what ends up happening. Tenth, we take God's name in vain when we make rash and unlawful vows. So if, if you, in a moment of duress or, you know, just say, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything if you just give me this thing. Just, just give me the thing that I want or need or feel like I need right now, and I'll read my Bible every day for a month. That's breaking the third commandment. You're, 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 making, you're trying to barter with God uh, in an unlawful way. God does, forbids that kind of bartering with him. Um, taking those kinds of oaths is not allowed. Eleventh, we take God's name in vain when we speak evil of God. Uh, now, here's an example that he gives that's actually a way that we could do it very easily without realizing it, which is grumbling about our circumstances. If you're discontent with a situation you're in and you grumble and complain about it all day long, you are actually grumbling against God's providence in your life. Has God not brought this day about? And yet you dishonor his name if you grumble against that which he has brought. If you're discontent with the circumstances that God has given you. Now, does it mean that you need to be content to sit in sin or things like that? It's not what I'm saying, but like, here, here's an example. Um, you had plans today and they were outdoor plans. Uh, and... Sudden pop-up thunderstorm, rains all day, ruins the plans, and you complain about it all day. It's the providence of God that brought that rain. God himself ordained such that that day that pop-up thunderstorm would exist. And so moaning and complaining and grumbling against it all day is a way to speak against God and what God has done. All right, and that about wraps it up on Thomas Watson and this commandment. Now, the Puritans were nothing if not 
uh, exhaustive in their work. That was me summarizing about 10 pages on a verse that is takes three seconds to say out loud. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, so keep in mind again, if you feel burdened by those commands, if you feel the weight of how easy it is to dishonor the name of God in your everyday life, you need to go to Christ. That's the solution. Uh, do not wait. Do not hesitate. Whether you are a Christian or not, the solution is the same to repent and believe the gospel, the good news that God has in Christ forgiven that sin and has provided a way for you to have peace with him. Though you have dishonored his name, he has loved you still and has separated all of your violations of the third commandment as far from you as the east is from the west. He has forgotten them and does not hold them against you any longer because he has poured out the wrath upon Christ, the guiltless Christ he has considered and counted guilty in your place. And the righteousness of Christ, who never once broke the third commandment in any way that it could be broken, he has granted to you and justified you in his presence by uniting you to Christ by faith. And that is the good news that we have as Christians and yet now, as Christians, we should seek to honor God with our lives, our Savior, our King, by honoring Him with our speech and our thoughts, and holding Him in due reverence, for He is far, far above and beyond all of our puny, chicken nugget-sized thoughts. And so we should feel that weight and feel the joy that comes with knowing that such a weighty being has condescended, has come down from such heights to save us and to enter into a covenantal relationship with us, to give us his name in that sense. That we would be called Christians, take upon the name of Christ, and to hold it in due reverence and respect and honor with the way that we live our lives and the way that we speak about him. I can't take credit for the chicken nugget thing. That is a Andrew thing. Uh, so when he gets back next week, you can you can compliment him for that one. He is going to be back next week. He'll be teaching next week on the fourth commandment. At least, at least as of right now. So I'm excited for that. All right, I'm going to pray and then you can close this out, Justin. Father, we thank you that we can call you by the the names you have revealed, Father, and that we can obey the third commandment and in no way diminish the genuine relationship and affection we have with you. That we can come to you and approach you, call you by name. We can come to Christ and call him by name and to the Spirit and call him by name. that you have brought us into a relationship of peace with yourself through the good news of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to honor your name with our lives and with our speech. Amen.
Amen. That is um, that is some good stuff. Definitely, definitely have not heard the third commandment expounded upon that far. But reverence for God is so important in His name. That's um, that's great. So now y'all are free to ask questions either in a voice chat or in text chat. Graceful Fire, you did have a question earlier. Is there an order for the ungodly? Did that come back to mind, or have you still kind of forgotten where you're going with that? Um. Well, you see, I uh, I was writing down notes, and um, I got playing this Clash Royale game, so that kind of made me forget a question. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it was like something about, like, I don't know, just does God have a plan for the ungodly? I guess I, that's probably a whole nother topic though. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the plan for everyone would eventually be judgment. And that just looks different for the ungodly and those who aren't saved by Christ. Judgment for us looks like God looking upon the perfect life of Christ. Justice for the ungodly is God looking upon the sinful and dirty nature of them and rightfully judging them. Do you have okay. anything to add to that, Josh? I mean, that, that about summarizes that uh, God handles us um, in the way that we deserve, and he either puts that deserved justice onto Christ, or you bear it yourself. Um, but we all come into the world as ungodly people. <laughs> Um, and we all deserve wrath, and then God rescues uh, those uh, who uh, that that Christ died for. So. Mm. Okay. Also, I just thought it was cool when you said some people have God in theory, but not in practice. I thought that was pretty. That was pretty sick. Pretty pretty epic. Yeah, just uh, just quoting Thomas Watson there. That was a direct quote. So um, I'll post the link to his work. I was actually I have a PDF version. That's just available on the internet. I'll post a link to it, um, or if, if you want to do that. Yeah, end. I can do that. Uh, I recommend reading him. It's it's a little tough read, and there's some stuff that historically might not hit the way that it might have hit people back then. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's about 400 years old. Cool. It's cool something that old is still relevant. I guess, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I won't say it. I'll spare you the. I, I know what you just realized. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is. It really is cool that uh, uh, the faith once delivered to the saints has carried since it was delivered across the centuries and millennia now. Uh, it's a really cool thing to see. Mm. All right. We got a question from Mr. Sheep. Do you think someone can use the word God, not a reference to the God, and it'd be okay, e.g. saying, oh my God, as an expression of emotion and nothing more? Um, so I would say that it commits a different sin at that point, which is taking the referent or taking the word that should be applied, that should be used in a reverent context and uh, ripping it out of that context and then using it to it, it, it demeans the 
usage of the word and turns it into a emotional outburst and nothing more. Um, so, yeah, actually, when I'm thinking about it, that that still is a third commandment violation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that words matter and have meaning and the way that we use them over time affects the way that we the way that the word impacts us so when you if you use that phrase on a very very frequent basis you become a bit numb to the actual referent when it's used and so the impact of preaching or teaching or even reading the bible at that point could be diminished uh by doing that but it's also just um yeah, in English, that word is supposed to refer to, you know, God. Yeah, good question. Um, so, okay, you said earlier on that you think... Say, referring to God as daddy is a violation of the third commandment. Yep. And I know I personally would feel very strange using that, using daddy when praying to God or referring to God, but it seems like there could be an argument made from somewhere like Romans 15 where it's talking about how through the spirit of adoption, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Yeah, so that text is misused and abused by people who want to call God Daddy often to say that Abba is the functional equivalent of Daddy. It is a term of closeness and affection. But in that time, well, we're going to get to the honor your father and mother commandment. <laughs> um there is no functional equivalent to the daddy kind of phrase that we have in their language and context at that time. It's not a functional equivalent. It's anachronistic to say that it is. Um, and there, I, I've heard that from pulpits near and far in the past using that text. Um, and I, I just, I don't, um, for, from my own study on it and from things that I've, I've learned from others who have studied it. I don't think that it follows. Um, but like I said, in no way did I want to diminish by saying that the genuine affection and closeness that you can have with the father. Um, but it seems like the daddy thing is often used in order to try to bring God down and to make the relationship more almost like a, a small, small child <laughs> with their kind of like, and, and I'm infantile and I need my daddy kind of thing. It, it just, it just, it just kind of weirds me out at some level, but I think that an argument can be made that it's a, a third commandment violation in the way that most people use it. I think, there could be a person out there who grew like I grew up calling my dad, dad, my dad, that I still call, I still call him that as a grown man. 
because it's just what I've always called him. And he doesn't think that it is disrespectful for me to call him that by any means. Um, so, so when I said that, I was mostly referring to the people who do it in that kind of very public way in order to try to bring God down, which is the opposite of what we should do and is exactly the heart behind the third commandment, which is that we should lift God up in our speech and hold him in reg- high regard and reverence. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I heard it and I immediately thought, I just wanted to bring it up as a, as a sort of, um, I don't know, kind of counterpoint, but I just wanted to hear your response to it mainly. Yeah. Um, so I, I will give some more clarification, I guess, then. I don't think every single said that has broken third commandment when they've done it. But most of the times when I've heard it done, it absolutely is. <laughs> and so it was easier to say, that's a bad idea. And especially on the basis of the Romans 15 text, that's, that's not a proper handling it. So they actually broke it twice because they twisted God's word there <laughs> and then used it in order to bring God down. Um, so not great on that end. But yeah, that's my response there. Cool. That thing. All right. Yeah. Um, we've got a question from Gas Powered Pickle. I'm just going to call you Jim because you have AKA Jim at the end of your name and that's easier to say. All right, Jim. Uh, I have many friends that say they are Christians but say the Lord's name in vain almost every time I am with them. And I was wondering if that would be breaking third commandment. Yes. Um, I don't know, you may not have been here at the beginning. I know we had some people jump in midway um, and I wasn't paying attention to who all did. Um, what I said at the beginning is that that is absolutely a violation of the third commandment. I think the way that you're describing um, is most likely the thing I was describing at the beginning, which is God and then insert word phrase at the end. Um, the third commandment is much more than that, but it isn't less than that. So I suspect in you know, I don't know your friends. I suspect that they've got more other areas of their life that are far more serious sins going on if they are being so flippant with the name of God in that way. And there may be more that maybe you need to have conversation with them about, like, hey, y'all say you're Christians, that you're claiming the name of Christ. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, you, you need to repent and come and, and, and return to the uh to 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 the the gospel and and maybe they don't understand the gospel like there's all kinds of things that um i i don't i don't know a lot about the situation i don't know your friends so there's more that could be said there but i would say the least having conversation with them uh, or even just saying like hey can you guys not like i i think it's disrespectful to the lord and you say you're christians so can 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 you not do that at least around me because i'm I feel bad even even hearing it, um, especially from people who say they're Christians. Like that's that's not okay for you guys to do that. Um, but again, that's very limited information, and uh, I don't have time to do a full counseling session with you on <laughs> on the situation. But uh, that's that's all I got for the moment. Cool. Any other questions? 
Adam the Jim says, what about Oh My Gosh? I've been told that that isn't okay since it is too close to saying the Lord's name in vain. Ah, yes. So let's talk about Christian cuss words. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's basically basically what that is. Um, I don't think that there's any commandment. Uh, there you go. Yeah, you guys are all over it. Against saying certain individual words in any specific language. There are commandments regarding the heart motivation behind your speech and what you do with your speech. And then there's a commandment related to the name of God. That's the only specific word that there is an explicit commandment related to. So, gosh, as a replacement um, for that, I'm a little iffy about it, about those kinds of things in general, simply because it's just a, what is the motivation behind those things and and, and what's driving you and and saying that? Because you could sin in other ways because of the state of your heart when you say those things. And you might as well have said the actual word. Right? So if you say that, and only in circumstances where you are discontentedly grumbling, you're still breaking the third commandment, just in a different way. And you just didn't use the word. So again, there's kind of joking around with certain things like, heck, I don't, it's a English colloquialism at this point. Its meaning has changed drastically over time, especially with meme culture, that I don't see any particular problem with that. Um, Paul uses a word that would be the equivalent of the equivalent of the equivalent of crap uh, in one of his letters <laughs> um, that is the Greek equivalent. But he uses it in a specific way, in a specific context. Um, so the general rule, I would say, for, for speech things is this. Um, actually, where's it? Is, it, is it Ephesians 4, isn't it? Houston, do you know this? Uh, what for which? <laughs> I don't know what verse you're trying to find. Perfect. I will find it. There we go. Uh, Ephesians 4. I don't know what the verse numbers are because I don't have verse numbers. It says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And, And so what you do with your words is more important in this instance than which words they specifically are because different languages develop over time differently and the meanings of words are in flux in general. Uh, At least the different kinds of meanings. Meanings are determined by the context and the intent, the authorial intent of the person speaking. So we're getting into like speech act theory and some other stuff here so i'll leave that there but bible here uh has a command about a spe- one specific 
collection of words, and those are words that refer to God. Everything else needs to be such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, and that gives grace to those who hear. It needs to not be corrupting. So there you go. That's the other command about speech. Um, where did you say again that Paul used the equivalent of crap? Because that's... Uh, it's Skubalon. Skubalon. Uh, Let me find where it is. I think it's in... It's translated dung. I can't remember where it's at. No, I think Often. I have or that. or rubbish. Uh, Philippians three. There okay. Uh, Philippians three eight to eleven. Um, Man, yeah, NKJV translates translates it as rubbish. Yeah, uh, often it's translated as rubbish because it's it it is an equivalently strong word. It's not an offensive word in that language necessarily but it is a strong word strong words are not bad inherently i'll just put it that way cool they're not inherently right. bad but they can certainly be used sinfully and there are certain contexts and situations where you shouldn't use certain language and that yeah. should be fairly obvious but yeah, yeah. all right cool any other questions Uh, it's Philippians 3. 3. 8 through 11? Isn't that what you said? Alright, let me turn my verse numbers on. Like this. Uh, verse 8. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other questions? Now, let me clarify. Don't take Philippians 3.8. Go show it to your parents and, and say, look, the Bible says that I can say cuss words. That is not the takeaway from that. I hope I made that clear, but if I didn't make it clear, I am putting my foot down and saying it clearly. <laughs> Just, there it is. Much All needed right. clarification. Yeah. Because I, just... I definitely thought the same thing when I was in eighth grade. Right. <laughs> I was like, wow, I can go say naughty words now. <laughs> Several people are typing. Yeah, I, I did see that, Adam, the gym. Well, um... We'll we'll pray for them after this is done. Um, well, if there's no other questions, Graceful Fire, you said you had a short story about yeah. this subject. You you can go ahead and tell that if you want. Um. Oh wait. Sorry, my dad just came to my room. Yeah. 
They're all squawking. <laughs> I'm just laughing. All right, sorry, whatever. Um, so, uh, like, I w- about uh, talking to your friends about, um, like, using, like, God's name in vain and, like, saying, oh, my gosh, and that type of stuff. Like, when I told that to one of my friends, she, like, first questioned me, kind of. Like, it's not actually that bad type of thing, right? And then she, uh, and then, like, after a day, she was like, thank, she said, thank you. Cause like, she realized that it is actually like, you know, something you shouldn't be saying. And that happened. Like I heard that story from my old pastor too. So yeah, that short story. Very short story. I like it. Um, yeah. Some people don't yeah. know. Yeah. The, the, the big takeaway from all of this is that it's when God's name is in your mouth, uh, you should be dwelling upon him with your mind and in your heart with appropriate reverence, respect, and honor and dwelling on him in truth and not just flippantly throwing it about. That's because it is a, as Thomas Watson pointed out, potentially idolatrous, which brings us back again. As I said, the first commandment is the root of the rest. So, well, yeah. that's um, an awesome story, though. Praise God for that. She uh, came around. All right. Definitely. Well, and if that's, I guess that's all we have for tonight, and we can be done.